0: Welcome to another sustainable wine podcast. My name is Toby Webb, and I'm introducing a session that we held recently at our Future of Wine Forum on the 26th and 27th of November, 2020. Uh, This conversation took place on the 26th of November, and it's about proliferation or consolidation. What is the future of certification around sustainability in wine? I would like to thank our sponsors of the conference, British Standards Institution, Chateau Liuby, Conchie Toro, DM France and Control Union and for the next hour or so you'll hear a conversation that features Kim Forsberg from Vingruppen uh, in, in Sweden, Marcus Era from System Balagie also in Sweden, the alcohol monopoly, Sue Daniels from Marks & Spencer, Stefano Stefanucci from Equalitas and Francesco Ricassoli from Castello di Broglio. Enjoy the conversation and do search for further conversations and podcasts by looking for sustainable wine on the web or on your podcast app. So let's start with introductions. Uh, 30 seconds each. Uh, Kim, tell us, or 45 seconds if you like, Kim. Uh, Tell us about yourself and and what Vingruppen does.
1: Thank you, Toby. So I'm Kim Forsberg. I'm sustainability manager for the Swedish wine importer group Vingruppen. And we're a collection of wine importers operating on the Swedish market in partnership with our worldwide producers, such as Rikasuli here, and uh, we see ourselves as path as um, trail makers for sustainability by paving the way for sustainable practices throughout our value chain. And we have established a sustainability fund where we invest in sustainable equipment and knowledge to accelerate this change. And such uh, investment could be in a producers' um, certification process. And choosing the right certification is something we are grappling with and that is why this conversation we're having here today is of great importance, both to us and our producers.
0: Thank you. Uh, Sticking with the Swedish theme, uh, Markus, tell us about yourself and, and what you do.
2: Yes. Uh, my name is Markus Ira and I work as a sustainability manager at Sustainable Laget with the main focus on the environmental impacts in the supply chain and the assortment. Uh, From the vineyard, pioneer transports and to the shelter in the stores. Uh, Sustainable logget is a retail monopoly for the alcoholic beverages in Sweden. Uh, on previous duties, I've been working quite many years in the, for international standards, developing international and European standards uh, in the area of environmental uh, standards, climate-related standards, and sustainability standards in general. In general. Uh, I think certifications is playing a more and more important role for sustainable logit in, in uh, many different ways. Uh, we are trying today to uh, do some risk assessment related to all our products and and all the quite complicated supply chains. And, and uh, the information that we got from the certifications is very important in that context. Coming back to that later. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Sue, Sue Daniels.
3: Hi. Yeah, I'm Sue Daniels and I work in the beers, wines and spirits category of Marks and Spencers as one of the winemakers. Marks & Spencers, in case you don't know, is a premium UK-based retailer. And we were established in 1884. And we've always sold mostly our own exclusive private label products under the Marks & Spencers or M&S brand. So our brand image is hugely important to us. And we've always set ourselves up as an ethical retailer right from the early days, treating our customers and suppliers and staff fairly and equitably And our founders did that not because they were marketing, because that wasn't a concept in those days, it was done because it was the right thing to do and they saw it as a way of being a sustainable business. Again, probably didn't even use the word sustainable. Um, We brought all this together in 2007 under an umbrella approach called plan A, because there is no plan plan B. And this is our sustainable approach. Um, we were the first retailer to launch that sustainable scheme, so it's really, really close to our hearts. And it now continues to evolve, and it now currently is labelled under three different pillars, people, product and planet. All this information is on our website, and perhaps we can put the website into a chat if people are ke- keen to know more about it. And obviously, wine sits within that.
0: Okay, thank you, Sue. Uh, Stefano, tell us about yourself and Equalitas.
4: Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Stefano Stefanucci. I'm here representing Equalitas. It's a sustainability project led by Federdoc. Federdoc is the confederation of the wine, PGIs, voluntary consortia in Italy. So it's basically producers that are behind us. Five years ago, Federdoc decided to sum up several initiatives and to provide an innovative solution to enhance uh, sustainability in the wine sector. So in in a very few words, the solution consists in a certification scheme uh, so Equalitas is a so-called standard owner, we do not certify, we do not make consultancy, we own the scheme and we work with certification bodies to make them accredited and uh, with companies through our training courses to make them aware of the Contour scheme. So yeah, that's it. Thanks for having me here with a lot of friends uh, that I can see.
0: Thanks very much. Uh, Francesco, tell us about yourself and, uh, and the wines you make.
5: My name is Francesco Ricasoli. I'm the owner and uh, the head of uh, Ricasoli, a very historical winery located in Castello di Broglio, uh, the fortress that you can see on my back. And uh, we are located in Tuscany, in the center of Tuscany, in the very historical site of uh, Chianti Classico. Uh, our estate is not only the largest, not only the most historical, but also the largest estate of the appellation. And um, it's very important for us uh, uh, getting into sustainability for many reasons that we will discuss uh, later on. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And did I read that your winery or your operations, is it the second oldest in the world or one of the oldest in the world? 11th century origins, is that right?
5: Yes, it is. It's true. My family goes back uh, to before the year 1000 and uh, There are documents stating that uh, we were owning this piece of land and producing wine already in the 12th century.
0: So um, let me ask you then, Francesca, what have you learned in the last 800 to 900 years uh, about this topic? Um, What are your reflections on on the previous session and on the subject at hand, proliferation or consolidation and, and certification more generally? I was online, but I
5: I hadn't the possibility to follow the discussion. So uh, I cannot tell you uh, about the the previous uh, session. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, I think that uh, in my case, uh, I think it's a very special case because uh, we have a sort of uh, responsibility for this territory. We are living in a small community and uh, in our commune, uh, most of the people are, working in our property, in our winery, in our vineyards. Therefore, I think we have been uh, um, uh, collecting a sort of uh, responsibility, uh, social responsibility, and uh, environmental uh, responsibility since, I would say, centuries. Uh, I always say that uh, when you watch uh, the landscape from uh, the castle, uh, you get almost inside a Renaissance painting. And uh, this is something that we have to preserve uh, because for the future generation. And then, of course, it's much more complex than uh, what I'm saying.
0: So what impact has certification got in sustaining and making your operations more sustainable? What, what has it done for you? And where do you see opportunities for advancement?
5: Well, uh, we have always been sustainable. Um, we recently got certification by Equalitas, and uh, but this is just a, a final, uh, I wouldn't say even final, because uh, uh, in the first document that we have been issuing, I was uh, already stating that uh, sustainability is, is a process, is a dynamic process that uh, year after year, we have to improve it's not static and therefore because the the, the um, science uh, knowledge is always improving and we can always do better uh, but uh, here in Broglio we have always been sustainable and uh, even uh, uh, in the social environment uh, we had a responsibility in the past because uh, we have workers and employees that has been working generation after generation in uh, in our state. And uh, so it's a very special case uh, for us. Uh, but uh, uh, Equalitas has been helping us to do more fine tuning and to use certain uh, protocol that are, you know, um, shared by uh, by practically everybody here in
0: the property. Thank you. Well, um, Stefano, let me ask if you want to build on that and and tell us a bit about how that works. And also, if you could answer the question um, about what you think is the future of certification in wine. Um, Do we risk having too many schemes or or is there not really a problem to be solved? Stefano, what do you think?
4: Wow, what a question. Uh, we, We need a Congress on the question. Uh, It it all started uh, uh, before Equalitas, of course, uh, that is very young. Personally, I said my starting point back in 2009, that is the year of uh, European Directive 128 on uh, sustainable pest management, because it was in those years, at least in Italy, that pressure on sustainability uh, arose. Every week we had uh, a producer entering the office and asking for help because uh, Someone had asked uh, for being sustainable, but the problem was that uh, everybody was asking for uh, different things. Uh, use less pesticides, uh, measure your carbon footprint or uh, uh, what you do to, uh, uh, for uh, the, the workers' rights and, and so on. Uh, we, we, we wanted to align all uh, uh, those reactions, uh, and we wanted three things, uh, basically, to be comprehensive, to be reliable, and to avoid duplication. That is one of the questions that uh, uh, arose also in the, in the previous session. To be comprehensive, we wanted something specific, specific for wine, first of all, on the three pillars, Uh, on the whole wine supply chain and comprising both good practices and indicators. So, metrics. To be reliable means that requirements must be objective. And this is very important. So, no philosophy. So, uh, even if I agree with uh, everything that was written uh, while preparing this session, I disagree on the fact that assurance Assurance is not certification. We do believe in the, in, in the value of a certification. And then to avoid duplication is uh, very important. Uh, our scheme is modern and uh, on one hand uh, is an, an attempt to subvert the paradigm. It's not uh, retailers, it's not our ministry to tell us to ask producers what is sustainability, but it's, uh, uh, it's we, uh, uh, the, the producers, trying to, to decide what is sustainability in the wine sector. But on the other hand, having, uh, having adopted uh, technical scientific basis, we are entitled to dialogue with uh, all the stakeholders. And that's why we have uh, uh, closed agreements with uh, uh, relevant partners like Amphori, like uh, BRCGS, like uh, the Spanish Wine Federation, Origin, the Nordic Alcohol Monopolies. because, yes, duplication is an is a, is a issue. Just uh, to conclude and maybe uh, trying to to answer to your question, we we need to be clear who drives the market, uh, uh, should decide if they want to recognize programs that get a lot of members to improve the industry overall. So maybe self-evaluation, so maybe some other form of assurance, or if they want to help the consumer find the quantitatively and qualitatively more sustainable wines, uh, which requires fulfilling set standards. Uh, This is the real question, in my view, and also bear in mind that uh, uh, the large programs like ours, or like uh, the ones in California, Australia, uh, they are process-based, and the most comprehensive programs with higher requirements will, for a long time, have fewer members. So there is a selection. Just one one more thing, 30 seconds. Uh, My final words are of praise for the Nordic alcohol monopolies. Because last year, they decided to conduct a complete study to analyze uh, all the main programs. uh, So to be able to differentiate between programs that are designed to improve the industry overall and programs that are based on third-party certifications and that face the three pillars. So there is a lot of study and there is a strategy behind every program, but we need to understand that uh, they are different one another.
0: Thank you, and you talked about a problem, a challenge of duplication. Uh, how do we solve that problem? Oh, wow.
4: Yeah, uh, I, can, I can answer a, 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 uh, by my side on what we are trying to do. Uh, the fact that we have solid, uh, technical, scientific basis helps, of course, because that's why we, uh, it's easier in that way to, uh, to deal with, uh, with others. I was mentioning, for example, our partnership with BRCGS, uh, well, you have two, uh, and the other one with Unfori, because it's two kind of uh, two attempts to avoid duplications that are uh, slightly different. With Unfori, we are seeking for a mutual recognition. It means that uh, if a company gets one of the two certifications, uh, we hope in the future uh, uh, the other certification will be granted, will be acknowledged automatically. With BRCGS, starting from the ethical standard now uh it's not a mutual recognition but it's um how can i say uh the the company the producer doesn't feel that there are two schemes because there's only one audit but two checklists and uh, but uh it's but the result is the same because there's just one third-party certification audit and then uh, several certificates can be granted and this is very, how can I say, uh, to have just one standard, just one certification is probably um, uh, utopic. To have uh, several standards that dialogue uh, each other and find agreements uh, is something probably more uh, sustainable.
0: Thank you, Stefano. Well, um, Kim, uh, you work with, with Stefano and, and uh, with uh uh, with Rick Asoli as well, of course, with Francesco. So tell us your views on this uh, and interested on your reflections on anything you've heard so far as well.
1: Uh, anything I heard so far? Well, I will take my notes, really. Um, well, I think we should remind ourselves and not forget that, you know, we have come a really long way here, just that we're having this conversation and uh, that the wine industry is clearly trying to create paths towards a sustainable world that everyone can be part of with the right effort. But just like um, Stefano was, uh, was going into, you know, there, the different standards, the different uh, programs, the different symbols um, has led to consumer confusion. And from our point of view as commercial importers, we're grappling with like two main issues here. Whereas the first one being how should we distinguish between the stronger certification programs or standards and the weaker ones? And the second challenge we're grappling with is we have a sustainable certified wine. How should we profile that product and get the sustainability dimension into consumer choice? And based on these challenges and the conversation we're having here and also in the last session, I think I see like two directions where to go. Whereas the first one being, although Stefano said um, that philosophy is not relevant, but I think that wine industry together needs to uh, create a common collective philosophy of what sustainable wine really is, you know, and a standard to that. And that's a challenge, but I think that's kind of the base um, and that we have you know we have a blueprint for sustainability which is the UN sustainable development goals and i see the and i see that very very rarely when i look into the different you know schemes and the different programs so i think that's important to remember not at least for consumers who who most are familiar with them and the second direction as i see it is uh, you know tackling this challenge head on in the specific market, So us as importers, commercial importers, together with uh, the retailers, such as Systeme Blaget, kind of starting to communicate these values because we won't get the global standard or certification tomorrow. We need to start communicating this. And And I think that the industry, if we look at the conversation we're having here today, everyone talks about sustainability certifications and standards and the consumers, all of us, we're ready. You know, we bought, it. we have the organic side and the, the environmental side. Now we're ready to, you know, buy a product that goes to two that got both the environmental and the social value. And on the Swedish market, I think consumers are craving a sustainable choice. So, you know, we're really ready to go in these directions. Um, and, um, and, you know, the goal really here is to, A, you know, bring recognition for sustainable wine and B, reward those who producers who's actually making a great impact, such as Rikasuli. And, um, and this is why I, from what we talked about that, I think the stack we see now that the Nordic monopolies are doing, um, one of the biggest retailers of wine in the world, and Systembolaget, they're actually, you know, they have created, uh, okay, it's a market, but a market standard for sustainability certifications. And what is so interesting, and Marcus will tell us about this, is that they actually now form the model to start communicate this as an umbrella approach. And I think that's really interesting to see how that plays out. And that that knowledge that we get from that and experience kind of, feeds into the bank of knowledge that we can learn on other markets as well. But some to summarize, I think, I think yeah, common philosophy with different like expressions depending on where in the world you are, is the right way to go, like an umbrella approach.
0: Thank you, Kim. Fascinating, very insightful. And um, your last comment reminds me of a the owner of a a significant Rocket producer did a tasting with a year or so ago, and she said, um, you know, we're going to run out of water way before climate change hits us. Um, but that two things are linked. So you know, the, the localization aspect is very, very key, as discussed earlier. Um, Marcus, uh, perfect opportunity for you to to build on this. Really interested to hear your views, and then we'll hear from Sue. So, Thank Marcus. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. A
2: very interesting uh, discussion. And I, I do agree with many of the things that's already said. Uh, as a monopoly retailer on the Swedish market, the certification, as I said before, is very, very, very important for us. It's a high priority for us. uh, related to the products in mainly, I would say, three ways. The first one is the sustainability risk assessment of the beverage in the assortment. We have so many products in our assortment. Uh, and uh, I, I think in the order assortment we have in total eighteen thousand different products, and in the the uh, fixed assortment we have around two thousand seven hundred different products, unique products. Uh, today we have an IT platform that is implemented uh, for the whole assortment, collecting data so that we can calculate the sustainability risks for each and every product in the huge um, uh, in the huge amount of different supply chains that is associated uh, with the different products. Uh, In this context, we consider certified products or certified companies, you know, there are different kinds of certifications, some are on product level, some are on organizational level. And we can use those different kinds of uh, certifications. as as, uh, a way to to mitigate risk, so to say, because it is a kind of big data that we are trying to treat uh, in our assortment. And we want to uh, take out all the products, not not take out of the assortment, I I would say the other way. We we think that all the product that it's kind of okay uh, in terms of sustainability We don't need to put lots of effort on those because we want to concentrate on those where we see the higher risk. So in this context, the certifications will mitigate the risks for those uh, products so that in the end, we will have a limited number of products that we need to put some more effort on to do some maybe uh, field trips or uh, uh, audits in different regions and things like that. And also capacity building could be one way to follow up when we see the risk in, in specific regions. Uh, however, as you know, there are differences between the different schemes in terms of uh, what issues are covered and to what extent. You know, there are, we, we have so many different social and environmental and governmental issues related to these programs, these certifications, uh, because they are different. So uh, we have conducted a study that that is already mentioned uh, in order to, um, in a more systematic way, sort out for each and every indicator, environmental and social, to do some grading. What does this specific certification mean in terms of treating water, use of pesticides, uh, child labor, how how the, the program is governed, how many stakeholder has been involved in the program, uh, et cetera. So, uh, and this data we have put in the IT platform that, so that it will treat the product depending on what kind of certificate they have. Uh, so we, in the end, we will get out uh, quite much information of the product that we, where we see some higher risks. Uh, I mean, Uh, The the certification also play an important role when it comes to to designing tenders, of course, and as already said, uh, the customer guidance, very important. Uh, I mean, mean, we we talked about the international standard. I used to work uh, with ISO standardization and also European norms for uh, about 12 years in in sustainability standards, like 14,000 series. You mentioned 26,000. I was quite much involved in the development of that standard. Uh, I I think it would be great to have one common global standard uh, that is recognized uh, globally for sustainable wine. However, it's important to bear in mind that, I mean, reaching consensus and most important, local acceptance is often a very, very long process. You can sit in an ISO meeting and have consensus among all the uh, experts and the the national representatives but when you when you are when the standard is is uh, is ready to, to 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 put it on the market to, to implement it uh, there's also always a very important question about if you will have a local acceptance a national acceptance among the user community so so I think it's uh, I mean, we think build on what we have today in terms of national based certifications and the diverse standards that we have. I think the future will show, and, and Sustainable would, would be engaged in this process, uh, I hope, <laughs> uh, where we can see step by step harmonization between different schemes and program operators through uh, mutual recognition doing benchmarks, sharing knowledge and practice between the certifications. So step by step, they will be harmonized. Uh, and in the end, we might have a global standard. Uh, I think that could be one way to, to, to get closer to, to um, yeah, international standard.
0: Thank you, Marcus. You make a very good point about um, localization and in, in other areas of sustainable agriculture, we have seen um, global, movements and standards run up against significant local and local political opposition as who are these foreigners coming over here telling us how to manage our land. You know, and in in palm oil, that's been cries of colonialism. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen it in so many crops. Brazil is a great example, you know, where where sustainability demands have often created, you know, political ammunition for, you know, a right-wing government talking about um, nosy foreigners telling them how to manage their their land. Um, and I think that is a significant factor that needs to be thought about. Uh, very interesting point. Um, let me ask you about the, your, your consumers. Um, you know, what are they saying about what they want? We know we can't make it entirely consumer driven because they, they're often not sure what they want because it's pretty confusing. Yes. But um, what are you hearing from them? Because you have this incredible, uh, I guess it's a power in a way, or um, uh, you know, influence over a consumer market. So what does, what does the research from the Swedish market tell you? I would say that the interest is very
2: high when it comes to sustainability in general. But I, I think uh, we, we have the same challenge in, in Sweden as in many, many other markets that the time, and I think Laura in the previous session uh, talked about that, that the time that the consumers are about to spend on getting more information in the stores about sustainability is quite limited. So I, I think the the... The communications should be very effective and quite simple. I mean, uh, so that the consumers have an easy choice to make in the shops. Not too many diverse alternatives. That is very complex and complicated. I think that's that will not benefit the future. So I think we have an uh, we we have a real challenge there to to uh, uh, translate a very complex content into. An easy, uh, you know, pitch or something that that the consumers are are about to to that is credible for the for the consumer. At the same time, we we need to make it easy, but it still has to be uh, credible. Uh, the communication itself. So,
0: yeah, we see a lot of um, growth in the organic market, albeit from a relatively low base, and we see a lot of political interest in the European Union over organic stipulations for agriculture as part of the eu agriculture plan and people are suggesting the eu bio label is one that's established do you see that as an opportunity or a threat in the sense that organic can often be about what you don't do rather than what you actually do to improve things no i I think the the question about organic is is a bit tricky
2: because when you see these sustainability programs that is coming now more and more uh, quite many of them are b- becoming more and more uh, certifiable since I think 2015, it was kind of a starting point where, where these uh, these local programs became certifiable. Uh, I, I, I really appreciate this development, but at the same time, I think the organic uh, certification is still quite important. Uh, it lacks... Some of the very important issues like energy, sometimes and border and other things, uh, use of resources and, and handling of waste. But at the same time, I think what organic has done for, for farmers is, is quite valuable because much of the practices from certified uh, organic growers are spreading outside the organic community, so to say. So the methods that has been developed uh, in the community of organic growers has been uh, now, is now practiced uh, in, in, in conventional growing too. So I think organic is still very important, but I hope for a future where the organic uh, certification will uh, develop and add. Uh, the other uh, sustainability, sustainability issues in their programs so that it will be more complete for the future. And
0: uh, yeah. Thank you. I mean, there's always lots to talk about with organic. Uh, I met an organic mm-hmm. champagne grower in, in February at VIN Expo in Paris who proudly told me how he ploughs his fields to avoid using herbicides. And I asked him about soil oxidation and GHG emissions, and he looked at me and said, what are these greenhouse gases? I can't see them. How do I know that they're there? <laughs> and, I, and I didn't know what to say. Uh, so, I mean, as we know, organics is, is, is part of the solution, perhaps, but but not not as holistic as, as it could be. Um, Sue Daniels, you've been listening very carefully to this. Let me bring you in here. Uh, Marcus, if you wouldn't mind going on mute for a minute. Uh, Sue, what are your reflections on the question and the conversation?
3: OK, so, I mean, I, what I was planning to say really hasn't changed, but I think I would pick up what people have said, that this is a journey. We're not going to solve it overnight. And so, therefore, having regional schemes is the first step. m um, and has always encouraged our wineries to join up to their regional local schemes as a first starting point, rather than actually introduce our own scheme, which, again, would cause huge duplication. So I think it's really important, that first step, Um, that people can take. They've got something to aim for, something to have a target for. Now, obviously, we've got to the point, I think, where there are a lot of schemes, and we do need to do um, a real analysis about how effective those schemes are. And, I mean, it's great to hear that other retail organisations have done this. I know the Porto Protocol, which I think will be talked about later, is also looking at it, and Toby, I think you're looking at it, So I think the key thing is we all join up to look at it together rather than create lots of different global standards, which I think we're in danger of doing if we don't have one platform. And that would be my plea from this this conference is that we have one platform where we look at a, a global umbrella standard. I think that's the important thing, that it's a standard that the other standards can feed into and have, you know, if you're certified for one, you're automatically certified for another so that we don't have duplication. I think this is quite well established in something like um, the ethical standards where the SEDEX platform, which hopefully everyone's heard of, where you can put your audits into the SEDEX platform and then all of your customers can see that, so you're not having lots and lots of different um, ethical audits. I think that's a really good way to approach it. So that would be my plea from a Marks and Spencer's point of view. Um, I mean, and also we need to make sure that these standards evolve as the science evolves, because we know that, um, you know, what was right five years ago is probably slightly different to now. You know, the whole difference between glass versus plastics, which has been changed overnight by one television programme with David Attenborough. Mm -hmm and actually moving everything back to glass isn't necessarily the right thing from a carbon footprint point of view. But those those really difficult debates need to be had because clearly customers are, you know, getting confused. So we need to have one standard that customers really can understand. I think from our point of view, from M&S's point of view, most of our customers accept or expect that we will do the right thing Um, and they don't necessarily need a symbol, and I think that's possibly because it's all mostly our own brand. So, they go onto our website and look at what our website says. I mean, there is actually, for example, a map where all our suppliers are globally, not just the wine category. Um, So, we try to be as transparent as possible, and I think that's really important generally. Um, I mean, I, I know organics is not perfect but again that's quite there's an umbrella scheme for that where you've got a number of different certification bodies feeding into one scheme i think that could be an approach that could be taken um whatever it is has to be affordable otherwise you you have you know it it precludes people who are small who don't want to do it you know the man in champagne for example if it's an expensive and complicated system then it will you know put people off and I think we need to have something that's inclusive um and we'd definitely be up for collaboration with other retailers I mean as I say like the ethical side where I think we have collaborated quite well My final point is, and this is perhaps a a little bit um, controversial, I think wineries should also question their customers about how sustainable are they. So, you know, we talk a lot about up to the, the, the retailer point of view, but do all retailers have good sustainable schemes? Should they be accredited? Um, so that we're not selling into the lowest common denominator. I saw in the chat there was something about you know UK, be, UK consumers being so price-focused. Um, I think we need to make sure we're all on a level playing field and that we're all being as sustainable as possible.
0: Thank you. Very interesting. Well, Francesco, let me bring you back in here as the, as the producer in the Zoom room. Uh, what do you make of all of this? I'd love to hear your comments on what you've been listening to.
5: Well, uh, Thank you. There is no doubt that uh, a transparent certification of sustainability is the future. There is no doubt. Uh, and uh, will be even more important than organic. Uh, a sustainable approach in, uh, in our business is something that, again, I want to repeat, is dynamic because uh, the process of knowledge uh, is always increasing year after year. And we can be more accurate in on many levels. Uh, The big issue that uh, Kim and also Sue and uh, Marcus has already pointed out is uh, to have uh, a common standard, or at least uh, something that goes close to a common standard. Because otherwise, a real uh, and uh, comprehensible uh, sustainability certification will not well uh, be understood by the consumers and at uh, the end our biggest problem is how to communicate to consumer that uh, a serious certification a transparent certification of sustainability is even more reliable than an organic uh, wine This is uh, no doubt our um, our most important bet, Uh, and I think uh, the entire um, la filiera, how you say, Stefano, the uh, the entire the
4: wine wine supply chain,
5: the wine supply chain has to understand this, and uh, we need a common standard that is more um, easy to explain to the consumer.
0: Thank you. Um, and we hear about ingredient labelling coming into the EU, I think, from 2022. Um, what are your thoughts on that? How, do you see that um, impacting this area in any way? What would what be your response to that? Or is it unclear what, what ingredient labelling actually means so far? It's not a problem. Uh, sometimes uh, there is the
5: feeling that uh, we have to explain so many things on, uh, on the back label that uh, you need almost a, a pamphlet, a book. And uh, there are so many requirements that is uh, is quite complicated. Maybe uh, we should use a QR code. But uh, I mean, a serious certification will be will obviously uh, uh, goes uh, over all these kind of problems.
0: Thank you, uh, Stefano. Let me ask you for your views on this. And any other points you want to make well, based uh,
3: on
4: the previous uh, on, on, on several okay <laughs> so just three three remarks on the common umbrella i would say i would dare to say that uh, we are very close to it i don't think we are far from having a shared interpretation of, of what is sustainability the the problem is the the several ways uh, it, it has uh, it has up it is applicated um uh, with just monographic for example uh project uh, with uh, Uh, projects that uh, only focus on one pillar and so on. There will be very, very soon um, uh, an OIV resolution. The OIV is the the United Nations of the wine. Uh, It will be resolution eighteen six four one, and it will be very comprehensive. I think a lot of people that are uh, virtually sitting here in in this room have participated in, in, in that job. So uh, we have a short interpretation For, um, on the organic uh, we do think that organic uh, should be a means uh, it shouldn't be the goal because to to be uh, as you were stating to be uh, so organic uh, can mean that you are sustainable but can mean also uh, several other things it depends on the season it depends on the climate or on, Uh, where you your your vineyards uh, are set because uh, there's no point in entering 20 times more in the vineyard that compact the terrain produce more co2 and use more copper if if that's not the case so organic is not uh, uh, automatically sustainable on the ingredients uh, it's uh, another very difficult question it's uh, it is tricky for wine. In sparkling wines, you put sugar and then uh, you have alcohol. Uh, you have ingredients that don't, uh, uh, you can't find, not even with a, uh, chemical analysis in the final product. So it's uh, it's a very difficult. It's not as easy as it seems for other goods.
0: Thank you. Yes, um, very important points there. Um, so a question from Jonathan Rodwell to everyone who says. Um, What processes are currently being shown to be unsustainable and are these really being called out? Now, there's another difficult question. Um, Who wants to take that one on? What is unsustainable? Well, we've talked about bottle weight. Uh, That may end up being unsustainable over a certain point. Anyone else have a view on this? uh, As
5: uh, Stefano was pointing out, A clear example of unsustainable uh, approach is uh, when you are organic in a territory where there is a very high level of humidity and rainfall and that you have to spray um, many times, too many times. This is not sustainable and Mm -hmm. because you spray copper that is a heavy metal that will never Disappear from the soil. Uh, you burn a lot of uh, gas from, from the tractor. You are not using wisely your uh, workers' hours, and at the end uh, you are polluting uh, and not uh, and not absolutely not being sustainable. This is a very um, understandable example of not being sustainable. But you, we could make a very long list. Of uh, or not treating your workers in a, properly, not paying uh, the salary that uh, uh, they have to receive. Yeah, uh, that's labored. very labor. I mean, there is a lot of examples.
0: Yeah, let me let me ask um, Kim and Marcus from a Swedish point of view about how you see the evolution of, of social issues. I mean, certification on, on social issues is, is pretty tough. Um, I've spent 20 years doing bits and pieces of work and lots of conferences around the apparel sector and factory audits are, are a bit of a nightmare. Um, it's very difficult on, on social issues and wine does have social issues. Um, so I'm just interested to hear from both of you, uh, maybe Kim first and then Marcus. How do you see the social issues, kind of metrics and reporting and, and transparency needing to, needing to evolve? Because it's very easy, isn't it, to get caught up in just environmental issues? Kim, what do you think? Uh,
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question, Toby. Um, I think Marcus can tell us more about this, but uh, what we're doing now, uh, similar to SEDEx as Sue was talking about, is we're using world-favorite platform. So we're mapping the supply chains of all our products um, that sold at Systembolaget. And then we actually, we have the code of conduct, which is, you know, hopefully looking at social issues, obviously, and then we're actually following up this bits, And I think there are uh, seven risk parameters that is linked to social, um, you know, securing social uh, workers' rights, etc. So we're having a constant dialogue with our producers regarding this. And, you know, it looks very different, obviously, depending where in the world you are what wine regions, etc uh, I mean there is a reason why fair trade and fair for life exist in some areas and not others mm, so I think this is this is a big topic um and I think it's a very important topic and um, um, I was thinking I mean you know living wage uh, minimum pay there is But this is something that I would say Marcus can tell us more about.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, living wage stuff is very challenging, isn't it, in the sense that um, a living wage can be different 50 50 kilometers away from from one point to another, from a rural economy Mm. to a city. The calculation has to sometimes be adapted to take account of of earnings and living costs and so on.
1: Yeah, it's complex.
0: As you say. Marcus, uh, let's turn to you for all the answers about this. <laughs> yeah, thank you.
2: <laughs> Lots of expectations, and, and my expertise is mostly in the environmental area, but I used to work with ISO 26000, so I, I'm i a bit familiar with, with the social issues too. Uh, I described very shortly our uh, uh, risk assessment uh, approach, where we have this IT platform, and and uh, lots of these indicators that we are trying to map for each and every origin and uh, to the product level is also based on the Amphora BCI code that is covering quite many of the human rights and labor labor rights uh, issues that is relevant for, for the industry. Uh, so we, we do the same risk asses- assessment. Uh, methodology for the social issues and and trying to define what regions are the hotspots and what issues in terms of human rights are the most relevant for these regions we're trying to do some uh, systematic audits in these regions we do some field trips we do some when we see a clear pattern we do some uh, capacity building to 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 mitigate of course not only measure the risk but also do something about it to improve it the situation so uh, it's a very complex issue and i would say also that is arts uh, the, the social issues are kind of uh digital in a way that you, you you should not have you shall not have child labor of course or forced labor or or um, other circumstances that is not uh, not uh, very good in terms of your mer- human rights. But when you turn to uh, environmental issues, those are more on, on a sliding scale, I would say. You can use lots of water and you can y- use medium of water and you can use almost no water, depending on what kind of methodology or technique you are using. Uh, so the social issues are, they are, big no-no, so to say, in terms, if you have some kind of incident, it's n- it's nothing, it's not, it, it's not an issue that you could wait for two years and deal with it. You should deal with it immediately. So that's a difference I would say between the environmental and social uh, issues uh, and risks.
0: Thank you. Um, Sue, I know we're gonna talk about this in the breakout session after lunch, but of course not everybody will attend that because there are two others going on. Um, I mean, you're, you're very aware, of course, of modern slavery reporting requirements, and Marks and Spencer has been a leader in this space for 20 mm, yeah. odd years I've been following your work. Um, how, and of course, you're buying a lot of wine from South Africa, which has been through a very mm. different year. Um, how do you see these sort of expectations and reporting and um, discussions evolving around human rights? Because it is a very challenging subject to talk about.
3: I mean, I think it's one of the subjects that people maybe attempted not to discuss or sweep under the carpet, but we absolutely need to have those discussions. And even if everything isn't perfect, which I'm sure it isn't, because that's the way the world works, we need to do have those discussions. As I say, we've um, obviously supported things like SEDEX, and we're also supporting an initiative called Stronger Together, which is a multi-stakeholder um Initiative, which is looking at trying to reduce modern day slavery, because I think that is one that is probably the one that's being swept under the carpet more than any others, because it's happening more in Europe than anywhere else. Well, actually, that's the wrong statement, because I believe it's also probably happening in California with Mexican migrant workers. It's definitely happening in Europe. I mean, I always feel, and I might be being naive, that ironically, South Africa, because it is so much more visible, have actually been really quite leading the way here to put standards in place and to have them very visible. Um, And obviously in the wine industry, and I I believe it's also for produce as well, there's Weta, um, which I think, again, all of our wineries in South Africa will be signed up to. Uh, and I'm not saying that South Africa is perfect, but I think they do have a good platform uh, to start from. Um, South America, I think, is just starting really to look at it, but I I think it's, you know, again, it's one that we support whenever we visit wineries, um, and it's part of our risk assessment, as was being said earlier, it's certainly something that we look at. I think any retailer is only there in a snapshot. You know, we visit maybe once a year, which is why I think standards are really, really important. And this third-party accreditation, in whatever form that is, is really important to give. Uh, you know, to give everyone that um, confidence that you know wineries and vineyards are going in the right direction. So we would definitely support that. And again, we'd definitely support a collaborative approach. I don't see that there's any merit in each individual retailer having their own audits. I think it's definitely something that should be done collaboratively and collaboratively for the industry, because at the end of the day, we are only as strong as our weakest link. Sorry, I know that's a big cliche, (laughs) but I think, you know, we need to bring everyone on board on this and have them do it because they want to, not just because their biggest customer told them to do it.
0: Well, it's a good point. Um, the wine industry, I think, was, in many cases, fundamentally changed by scandals from the 1980s. You think about Austria, mm. and now Austria is one of the leading, if not the leading, mm. uh, environmental uh, certified country for wine production. And there hasn't been a significant scandal in this space. Yet last year, I think Europol busted, I think, three French vineyards and labour providers using, I think it's Bulgarian or Romanian labour, uh, and they effectively mm. modern slaves with documents withheld. So it, it only takes a, a couple of uh, a couple of incidents to create a reputational scandal. So um, I think that's a very good point. And also we see human rights due diligence coming in as an expectation for companies all yeah. over. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with it, it might be worth working out whether or not for your wine business, it's, it's going to be relevant. I mean, technically it's relevant, of course, to everybody's business. Let's talk about um, the next bit of the, the value chain beyond the vineyard. I think there's been some great comments in the chat about that you know you look at the ghg calculations for example and some some say 18 to 25 percent of a ghg footprint could be in the vineyard uh and a lot a lot of the rest of it's in, in distribution and use and so on and we've talked about retail but we haven't talked about the middle part um about and we're going to have some sessions on logistics later but it's a complicated area and i wondered how much it's factoring into all of your thinking around certification um I mean, Stefano, let me, let me turn to you on this. How, how high up the agenda is the, the logistics footprint side of things uh, for, for wine uh, in your thinking and in your work?
4: Well, uh, of course, it, it is a big part of it. And uh, all the studies that have been conducted have shown uh, how, uh, how much people are focusing on the vineyard. But then you discover that transportation is uh, crucial uh i would say that of course our standard i I was saying before uh, i was saying before that uh, we are we have we have tried to put together requirements related to best practices and indicators our indicators are of course they are carbon footprint water footprint and then we also have biodiversity indicators um uh, what can i add it's not uh, especially in italy when we have micro uh, wineries especially uh, they are not uh, uh, they are not fashionable uh, issues it's not easy to enter um, to enter winery and tell them measure your cardboard footprint then usually you start by measuring uh, the electricity consumption uh, monitoring and then you discover that awareness is very important because just when you start and you just set uh, uh uh measure, measure uh, tools for measuring the, the, the consumption immediately the consumption decreases by four percent four percent just because uh, people know that uh, uh there's a monitoring going on and then they switch the light off when they uh exit from a room or they just put uh, uh, the forklift in recharge after uh, 9 p.m and not at 5 p.m and they save money so it's a very important it's a very important issue and to measure, to have an indicator also helps then enhancing good practices.
0: Thank you. Uh, Francesco, what are your views on the logistics side? Does your responsibility end when the, the bottles leave your, uh, your facilities? How can you work or are you working with logistics uh, to try and reduce footprint and, and should that be part of some sort of sustainability certification?
5: I I want to remind previously, we were talking about uh, what is unsustainable and uh, again, for example, uh, heavy bottles are something that are not very sustainable, so and this will impact also the cost and the efficiency of logistics. Uh, We are trying more and more to work uh, with uh, companies that are um, certified. Uh, sustainable. More and more, we uh, are trying to convince our uh, uh, partners that uh, this is the best way to work, and uh, we push them to have a different approach. Um, this is essential in, uh, for the future, and uh, you you need to be conscious of uh, because uh, sustainability is a whole system. That uh, um, almost philosophical, ethical, and uh, so whatever you act into uh, the entire chain from uh, um, from uh, viticulture uh, to uh, to the end of the uh, circle, uh, you have to always think what you are doing, and you have always the possibility to do it better. Uh, And this is uh, at least is my philosophy that again, I think that uh, compared to other, let's say uh, approaches, uh, uh, a serious uh, certified um, sustainable uh, certification is something that will lead you to think in a different way. And also uh, trying to improve uh,
0: time after time. And this is the most important, I think, approach. Thank you, Francesco. Um, Kim, how, how do you see sustainable logistics factoring into certification? Interesting
1: topic. Uh, so I completely agree with uh, Francesco. And, you know, if, you, if you're looking at uh, the key issues uh, with the, the key sustainability issue with a wine product, you know, we calculate the CO2 footprint from our products and we clearly see, you know, transport is the largest, uh, the second largest emitter of CO2. So, of course, it's super important. And um, like Francesco said, you need to, you know, always look, you know, further. What can you do? And I would say we picked, you know, the low-hanging fruits a few years ago, and uh, we we reduced our carbon footprint with 14% from transports. So, what we're now doing is, you know, taking this one step further. So, we're um, in dialogue with our logistics partners, having kind of the same goals where we want to reach with this uh, uh, climate neutral, you know, business. And we're actually looking at establishing, looking for um, liquid biogas uh, opportunities for cars down in Europe, so kind of pushing that together. So super interesting topic and uh, there is a lot to do picking low hanging fruits to begin with and then actually like investing in this fossil free uh, free solutions that's out there
0: absolutely thank you i mean given that most countries seem to be determined to phase out diesel engines in the next five or ten years um it's going to be an ever more relevant topic i would have thought marcus Mm -hmm. uh, let me turn to you and then we'll give the final word to sue before we close marcus Yes, uh, regarding transports or in general or? Yeah, I mean, um, how, much, how much will sustainable logistics factor into your requirements and is there a link with certification in the future?
2: Yeah, as said uh, before, it, it's not uh, covered by the uh, sustainable certification that we have been discussed today, so uh, we work separately with the transport issue so we we have our own transport at Sustainable So we have uh, uh, that we have in control, so to say. We pay for the transport, so we can have some requirements for the producer. Uh, but it's a it's a very complex issue, uh, as you already addressed. I mean, uh, the the question about the palm oil, of course, when it comes to HVO, uh, in, using HVO instead of diesel. Uh, you might have some content of palm oil, and that's a tricky uh, tricky issue. Uh, we're also trying to work with the international transport. That is, we, we don't own them. We don't pay for those transports, but we're trying to to encourage the suppliers and importers to work together with us to find better solutions for the future. So it's more, I would say, a more soft way to collaborate and address those issues and the best techniques, using trains and things like that instead of uh, uh, trucks. Uh, so uh, yeah, ju- just a reflection regarding the issue today about creating an international standard. I would say it might be the good time now to to address the opportunity to make an ISO standard for sustainable wine or sustainable beverages because uh bearing in mind that we have all these national schemes now in place, that would be a good stakeholder group as a start. Of course, other kind of stakeholders uh, too, like uh, consumer organizations and, and, and uh, producers, et cetera. But I think it would be a great start with that kind of community to, to meet and try to develop an international standard. So, uh, yeah, that's my <laughs> final word.
0: <laughs> Thank, thank you. you. Uh, thank you. That's very helpful. Sue, let me give the final word to you. I know obviously Plan A um, has meant a lot of sustainable logistics thinking. Um, so any comments on that and any comments you might have in closing on the topic? I'd uh, love to hear them. Sue.
3: OK, yeah. I mean, so from a logistics point of view, we've done a lot at the retail end. Um, I think the next step is definitely approaching or you know challenging our our contractors who do all of our uh, haulage between producer and to our depots, and that's probably a much much bigger piece of work, and you know must fit into again an international discussion. I think about logistics movements. I'm just to add on a you know one small point. Obviously, like a lot of retailers, we bring a lot of wine in in bulk, which helps tremendously with the carbon footprint I know it does perhaps give some issues in certain countries where you're not then bottling at source but I think overall it's you know it's the better thing for the planet and I think this is the important thing to realize with sustainability you know there is no one answer that's going to satisfy every single topic I think we have to choose you know what is best for the planet at the end of the day because if we don't have a planet then all the other things are fairly irrelevant um so yeah so it's something that we're definitely looking at and just a final thing on the um on what we've talked about regarding the accreditations and sustainability schemes i do think an approach with an umbrella bra- an umbrella scheme would be the way ahead And that way you don't need to do as much explaining to consumers that this logo means this and that logo means that. But the the consumers understand that we as an industry have worked hard to deliver a sustainable industry.
0: Thank you, Sue. What a great note to finish on. Uh, lovely conclusion. Thank you all so much. Fascinating discussion. It could go on all day and we will go on all day um, on this topic and others. But right now, we're going to take a 50-minute break um, for lunch. I'm sure we could all do with a bit of a walk around, stretch our legs. Bear in mind, after lunch at one o'clock, you need to pick your breakout. There are three different breakouts. We've posted the Zoom links in the chat function. You need to click on those links depending on which one you want to go to. You should all have a PDF, which has a red text in block capitals, which you should click to go into the Zoom link, or you can use the links in the chat function. Um, So we're looking forward to seeing you in in one of the three breakouts after lunch, which will start at one o'clock. So we'll see you all back in 50 minutes on on one of those three links. And uh, thank you so much to our panelists, Francesco, Stefano, Sue, Marcus, and Kim. Fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for your time and your input. We'll see you all back here in 50 minutes. Thank you.